Well, happy Mother's Day, everybody. I'm so, I'm thankful for mothers. I wouldn't be here without them. None of us would. But it's, um, it's not just something that happens to continue the human race. It's not just something that women become because it's necessary. There is a part of the heart of God. There is a part of the very nature of God that's embodied in women. And not all women will be mothers. All mothers are women. Some things we just have to keep clear these days. All mothers are women, but not all women will be physical mothers. But you all, all women in the body of Christ are called to be a spiritual mother at the least, as Hannah is. Now, Hannah's a mother of boys, too, which makes her a whole different kind of mama entirely. And that, that's just, God bless her. She is outnumbered four to one in her house. So she's been well-equipped for eldership in the, in the church of Jesus Christ, that's for sure. But I want to share with you some things today about, about women, about God's heart for women. Why did God create women other than that the man was all alone and it wasn't good? And, and then God looked at him and he said, that boy's going to need some help. So I'm going to make him someone. There's so much more to it than that. So I want to take you on a scriptural journey. I taught a class. It's a two-part class called Equally Yoked. If you're new to the concept of women serving in all offices and anything that God anoints them for in the church, I did teach a series back in... This is a while ago, I want to say 2018, that's available online. I'm only going to dig in a little bit. It's called Equally Yoked. There are notes to go with it. We dig in on all of the scriptures. I'm well aware that there are a couple of scriptures, three specifically, that have to be dealt with, but there are 30 others that also have to be dealt with, and I want to dig in a little bit on that today. Is that okay? I believe that the body of Christ without the women being free to manifest Christ in them and all the fullness of what Christ said that they are, that we are missing out on so much in the body of Christ. Did you know there's a passing subject and I gotta be careful here because I wasn't gonna say this, but I'm gonna say this and I'm gonna get back on track because I know you all have Mother's Day plans and so do we. So every revival, every awakening, every time when the spirit of, when the church rather has gone dead and needs to be revived. You know the meaning of the word revived means to bring something back to life, which means it died. Anytime the church has gone into a dead state where we're not actually advancing the kingdom of heaven and the earth and God sends revival, he sends an awakening. Do you know who's always, 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 every single time right at the front of it before anybody has a chance to stop them is women. Every, you go and read the history of every awakening that's happened in any place, anywhere, and you will find women at the front. What happens sometimes, and, and I don't wanna, I don't wanna bash those who read the scriptures and believe that women should not serve in leadership positions. Don't hear anything I say as speaking ill of them. I see where in the word, and I've read their books, and I've had conversation with them, and I understand. But I do believe that once God anoints something, that it's time for us to update our files, and it's time for us to just make room for what God's doing. And women have always been in the front, and it's not unbiblical. So this is not a message of equal opportunity. This is not a message of we're going liberal now, and we're gonna call things that are sin not sin. This is not what this is about. This is about getting back to God's intentions, getting back to the, the sum of thy word is truth, Psalm 119 says. The some of that word, not just a few scriptures here and there. What's the whole thing say? What's the comprehensive package? And it's an amazing thing that God did when he created women. All the husbands say amen. All the young men say amen. All the unmarried men say amen. 
to that, it's an amazing thing. Without, without womanhood, the full expression of who God is would not be in the earth. If women are suppressed in any way, and every culture for all time has done it, if women are suppressed in any way, there is half of the image and glory of God that's not being made manifest. So in the beginning, God created man in his own image. This is from Genesis 1. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This is the first time the word female is used in the scriptures. So he created man. We tend to think of Adam as a male human, and that's not what the name Adam actually means. There are other words for that in Hebrew. This just means the human. He made the Adam. The Adam is actually the right way of, of saying that from the Hebrew. He made the Adam in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now the scripture says, God said, let us make man in our own image. It's the verse before this, let us make man. Why is God referring to himself as an us? Well, we know by revelation in the scriptures, he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three that are one. So there is an us to that, but us also means there's this manifestation and ever-increasing demonstration of something on the inside that couldn't be seen before. God is, God can't be just described as an individual even. He's just so amazing that he's a plural. None of us are a plural. Contrary to the new use of pronouns, you are not a they. It takes at least two to make a they. Am I okay today? Can I do this? Sometimes I think some things just need to be brought back to normalcy again because uh, it's from the beginning. It's not just a cultural, political, societal issue. This is an issue of truth. This is an issue of basic reality which God is responsible for and we start tinkering around with that and we open the door for all kinds of chaos and disorder. God bless them so he's got, the, he's got Adam and Eve, he's got the man and the woman. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Now you can't have that unless you have the woman too. You gotta have the man and the woman to be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, that's what's gonna happen as you multiply. You just got two people in a little garden in the middle of paradise and the rest of the world's all wilderness. You're gonna be fruitful and multiply. Then you're gonna go fill the earth and you're gonna subdue it. You're gonna have rule over this thing, rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So the basic point is, women, you were called to rule. You were called to rule and reign in heavenly places in Christ as it was in the beginning. You have never been called to take a back seat to the men. You have never been called to, like the man's in the driver's seat, I know it's tradition, and, and there's some households where only the man's allowed behind the wheel. God didn't create it that way. In some houses, the woman should be the one who's behind the wheel. I've been in the car with some of you. <laughs> you should just let your wife drive. Anyway, that's a, that's a separate point. You were always called to be by the side. Why do you think the woman was created from the rib? She always belonged in the man, she was in the man's side, then she belonged by his side, not one step behind, because somebody's gotta do the dishes and cook and do all those kind of things. Look, can I just say this about gender roles, uh, you know, man, husbands and wives, you, you do whatever works best in your house. So if the woman's better at something, then yeah, you do that. The man's better at something, you do that. But I was just under a car yesterday with my newly appointed nurse daughter changing oil. Yes, women can change the oil. 
And I spent this morning getting my hands dirty uh, with all kinds of food-type preparation because I'm cooking for Mother's Day. There's no such thing as biblically appointed roles in the family in terms of what you do in day-to-day life. I was thought I was going to get so many more amens today. Am I meddling too much? <laughs> Is this, are you all right? Are the men like, oh, dang, man, I thought I was going to have a... It's Mother's Day. Too bad. Take it on the chin. Man up and just, just get on with it. So in the beginning, both the man and the woman were called to rule together as equals. There's no hierarchy in the Godhead. The father is not the boss of the son who is the boss of the Holy Spirit. How whack is that to think of the Godhead that way? That's not how it works. That's not how a unity works. The husband and wife, the two shall become one flesh. Hero Israel, the Lord your God is one God. One God. They're one. God is a three in one. Husband and wife are a two in one. It's the same concept. There's no hierarchy. While Jesus was in the flesh on the earth, yeah, he divested himself of everything it meant to be God. So he relied on the Father in heaven. He had to pray. He, had, he didn't know what was next. He had a reliant in the flesh. But the eternal condition of the Son of God is co-equal with the Father and the Holy Spirit. That's just how it is. And so it was, and so it was meant to be in the beginning. Only under the curse do men rule over women and women live as second-class citizens of heaven. The curse of sin, do you remember the curse of sin? First God spoke to the serpent and he said, because you did this, cursed you more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. You're going on your belly now and you're going to eat dust the rest of your day of, of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Now why the woman? You ever, you know, he didn't say I'm going to put enmity between you and the man, between his seed, and it, it, it explains, this is the reason, one of the reasons why I started turning my heart toward the scriptures when I was in college, studying all the religions of the world. I read this, and it was the first time I read an account of creation where the woman wasn't given as a punishment to the man. Do you know that every single other ancient story of creation, in one way or another, the woman was given to punish the man? Now, I'm glad none of the men said Amen. But in every, like the Greek, Pandora's box, it was Pandora. It's a twist on the creation account, the most famous one. Pandora opened up the box and let all evil into the world, blaming Eve for all the problems that we have. Well, the scripture said, no, Adam, Adam, it was your deal, bro. You stood there and watched while she ate from that fruit. You ate it with her. It's your responsibility, man. Anyway. So I read this, and I thought, now that explains all the, do you know what misogyny means? I know it's a fancy 10-cent college word. It means anything that's against women, anything that harms women, a thought process or a system of philosophy that really puts women in the back. Yes, the church has been misogynistic at times, and we've put women and suppressed women and done all kinds of things uh, that are just shameful even, gone to levels of, I won't even describe it in a church today, of what the church has done in history. We're throwing all that misogyny behind because it belongs under the curse. That was not God's intention. To the woman then, he said, in... uh, and I will greatly multiply your pain and children. In pain, you will bring forth children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. I, if I had a nickel for every pastor or every preacher I've heard, describe that as, well, that explains why women are supposed to be under the men. I would, I'd, be a well, I'd have a retirement out of this world naturally. This is the curse of sin. This is not God's order. 
This is God saying, look, you ate from the tree and now look what you just opened up the door for. This is what it's gonna be like. The battle of the sexes began right there in the Garden of Eden. Now we're mature in the body of Christ. We are not here to say, yeah, boys rule, girls drool, you know, none of that. That's where it began. We're saying enough of that, let's grow up and let's remember what God's intention was because women are part of the image and glory of God and without them, God's image and glory would not be fully revealed. I think part of why things are just getting better and the body of Christ is more loving and more caring and, and we've come back into the fullness of what the gospel is really all about is because more and more women have been permitted. Like there's been this, you ever go in a, I used to be a lifeguard, you ever have um, a pool where they had adult swim? Like public pools would do this sometimes so that the adults can have like 15 minutes at the end of the hour where they're not getting kicked in the face and splashed and you know and then although you know all the people that wear those rubber caps with the little duck things on them can go and and the water is calm and all of that and and so it's like no kids in the pool adults only and it's been like in many parts in, in the body of Christ we've said men only women you can do these gifts of the spirit but not these ones you, you can have prophecy, you can have this, but you can't have administration, you can't have any of the leadership, you can't have teaching, you can't have any of those gifts, but you can use these other ones, and we've had like this, men only in the pool. I remember as a lifeguard man, the kids would watch that clock, and at one minute until the top of the hour, when they knew the whistle was gonna blow, they'd be sitting on the edge of the pool, they'd start dipping their feet, they'd sit on the edge, they'd dip their feet in, and, and I'm looking at them, go, don't. Don't, I'll add five minutes onto Adult Swim, you go in and they back up. But then came that glorious whistle, everybody in the pool. And it's everybody's in the pool now, ladies. You are called to rule and reign together with men in Christ Jesus. Let me explain a little bit more about why. After the curse, Adam had a revelation. Adam heard what the Lord said. He heard about childbearing and he heard about the promise. And, And Adam's sitting there like, her seed, not my seed, is gonna crush the serpent's head? There must be something special about this beautiful creature by my side right here. And it says that he called the, his wife's name Eve. Now, that's the first time the name is introduced. Before that, it was just the man and the woman. Now she has a name, and it means mother. It means mother of the living, because she was the mother of all the living. Mother of all living things is is the name given. Now the woman's revelation is, you have an aspect of God now. This is how you're gonna glorify God. This is how you'll show the strength of God for all time. You're gonna be the mother, every living thing. All of us entered life the same way. And don't worry, I won't get graphic. But all of us, man and woman alike, we were first created in Christ. We were known in Christ before the foundations of the earth. But all of us had our birthing through a woman. It's, it's the most, still the most. My wife's given birth to six children. And, and every time I think about what happens, there's, there's a seed, there's this little egg, this little seed thing that's, that's, that's one cell. And a woman has the strength and ability to eat food. And her body takes what she eats and converts it to a human being. That is extraordinary. That is an amazing gift. This this whole thing, birthing person, stop it. She's Eve, she's a mother. 
Only mothers can do this. Men can't do that no matter how many parts you sew on the inside. We can't do it. Not that any of us wants to. <laughs> I've seen it. Now that I used to think when we were newlyweds, I thought, ah, oh, I'm missing out. I'd love to give birth. Then I saw it two or three times. Like, <laughs> I'll support you. I'll, I'll, do, I'll wait on your hand and foot. Anything. Thank God. But God bless you. <laughs> Sorry. But that you have that ability, it is uniquely a woman who's able to do that. That is how you glorify God, the God who spoke everything into existence said, I'm gonna manifest myself through women in that regard. Men, you can't make anything. You could take stuff and make it into something else, but you can't create nothing from scratch. That woman can. She could take one egg and one sperm join together and a human life comes into existence. As God spoke in the darkness and said, let there be light, it's like a woman's womb is able to say, let there be a human. It's so powerful. Do you have any idea how powerful that is? It's why abortion grieves me so much. It's why women who celebrate and who get mad about, well, it's my body, my choice, that whole mantra of the, the new day, why it's so grievous. This is your strength, one of them. This is the thing of all things that makes you so uniquely glorifying of God. You can do that. No man ever can do that, men. We should thank God eternally and thank them eternally for that. Thank your mama today, all he is. I'm going to do it soon. That's why I'm going to try to wrap this up here. She doesn't just generate and sustain life from her body, but she generates life in everything that she touches. Everything women touch, everything, I mean, a woman who's secure and confident and who exercises all of what she's got on the inside, things get to be more beautiful, things come alive, hearts come alive. It's just an amazing thing. Now I know I'm getting more into the personality and the, you know, what women typically are better at, and I don't want to be too stereotypical about it, but it is, stereotypes come from reality, and women are just better at the nurturing thing. They just are. I know that their husbands are on a spectrum of some are like not nurturing at all and some are like a woman uh, as strong as any woman in their nurturing and there's a spectrum of generally the average woman is far more nurturing than the average man. It's just we're hardwired. It's how you glorify God, ladies. There's a name of God that Stephanie really well exhorted about today that I want to share with you and it's typically translated the Lord God Almighty. El Shaddai. That name was introduced to Abraham while he and Sarai still had no children. They had no kids yet, and they were promised more kids than you could count. Grains of sand on the seashore, stars in the sky, which, by the way, we still can't. We're not done counting them yet, by the way, the stars in the sky. Every time we invent a better telescope, we find out that star is actually a billion stars. It's just amazing what's out there. And, and when God visited him, the introduction to God's name as El Shaddai, there are other Elohim, there's Yahweh, but here's how he's introduced. When Abraham was 99 years old, only one year away, from finally, after all 25 years of waiting on the promise of God, and God appeared to him, and he said to him, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, I am El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. God appeared and said, I'm gonna show you something new about me. We've been walking together 25 years. I wanna introduce you to something new. Here's one of my names. 
I've got so many names, it's gonna take all the centuries of human existence to find out all of who I am. But here's how I wanna manifest myself to you right now, oh childless 99-year-old man carrying just the promise. I am El Shaddai, walk before me and be blameless. And I'm gonna establish my covenant between me and you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna like marry you. I'm gonna have a covenant with you. You and me, we're gonna be friends, for BFFs forever. We're gonna be that. And I will multiply you exceedingly. What happens when a husband and wife come together and express love for each other in that physical way human life comes into existence? What happens when a person gets in touch with El Shaddai, a, a childless 99-year-old washed up man and his wife? What happens when El Shaddai gets in touch? More children than you could count. Do you know that Abraham, of all the people who have ever lived, has more offspring on his genetic record, on his list of descendants, his genealogy, that's what I'm looking for, than any other human in world history. Did you know that? There's no other human that you could say, if I look in genealogical records, I could go all the way back to Abraham as a father, there's nobody else like him in all of human history. God is so faithful to his promise that he only lived to see the birth of one of those kids. That's all he had. In his lifetime, he and Sariah gave birth to one. Yeah, I know there was Ishmael, but that, that was just problems galore. But he just had the one child of promise. I'll multiply you exceedingly. So El Shaddai, get ready, all the young men in the room are gonna get really uncomfortable now. This is the literal translation of the word Shaddai out of the Hebrew. El Shaddai means dual breasts. That is the literal translation. If you did not, if God didn't say, I am El Shaddai, you could use that word to describe a woman. This is what women are able to do. It's not chest feeding, for goodness sake, it's breast feeding. You ever have one of your kids try, husbands? Like, sir, you're gonna be really disappointed. I got nothing to offer you there. Just maybe some hair in you. I got nothing to offer you. <laughs> Only mama can give you what you need in that area. This is an incredible way that God created it. Mamas, women, you're capable of sustaining life all on your own. A newborn baby, you know the argument, one of the arguments for abortion is, well, until the child's sustainable, right, until it can, it's viable, right, that's the word we use, till the child's viable. How many of you mamas can testify that a newborn baby is not viable? Not without a lot of help, a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of milk. And again, this is just so fascinating. Your body is able to take the foods you eat and convert it into just the right kind of milk to meet your baby's needs. Full of <laughs> uh, the young men uncomfortable enough yet. It's full of all the antibodies that your baby needs at first. And then the formula adjusts as your baby gets bigger. The cravings that you have, those nutty cravings that started in the womb that you still have afterward when you're, when you're you're breastfeeding, it's all because that's what the baby needs your body to have to make the right milk. Are you as amazed at God as I am? Yeah. Are you amazed at the strength of womanhood as I am? Yeah. And the reason why God said, I gotta introduce something else to you, Abraham, is because you are barren, and I'm gonna introduce you as Adam needed an Eve to produce life in the earth, you're gonna need an El Shaddai in your life. 
And the name literally translated, as Stephanie so well shared, means the all-sufficient one, the one who is enough. If you've been to a Passover celebration, there's that song, Dayenu, and it goes, you know, if you would have just set us free from Egypt, Dayenu, that would have been enough. And all the things that God did, that would have been enough. That's that word. And it means that God has everything. God is able to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. A newborn baby only needs mama. And it's an incredible thing, too. Mamas, did you know that your body, you could be on the verge of dehydration and starvation, and your milk will still be sufficient until you die to to nurture that child? What a, I mean, it's as if in the natural we needed to know how sacrificial you are in your love and in your heart towards your children. It's incredible. So the one who is enough beyond the curse now. Galatians 3 tells us we are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. We're all sons of God. Now, doesn't that seem to go back to, oh man, now it's just about the guys again. This word sons, just like we say mankind, man, I remember getting smacked on the wrist for that when I was in college. It's not mankind, it's humankind, and I'm not, I don't care. You know what I mean? I mean, it's all the people all the people. You are all sons of God. It's like you are all, all of you, women and men, we're all sons of God. Sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you, many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. That's why Paul would say uh, later on to the Corinthians, from now, we used to regard one another according to the flesh, but now we regard no one according to the flesh. Now we regard one another in the body of Christ as, hey, you're clothed, nice outfit. I'm clothed in Christ too, and we're the same now. We've been restored to as it was in the beginning. The curse has been broken. Men and women are now restored to how it was in the first place, only better, because now we got Christ in us, and we're all clothed in Christ. We got a beautiful new garment to wear, and it's Jesus Christ. And that's all we see now. So there's no more Jew or Greek. I don't care what race you are. I don't care whether you were in Christ, whether you were, you know, a believer before I was. We're all, there's no races anymore. There's neither slave nor free. Your socioeconomic status means squat. I don't care if you were born into wealth or if you're, you've been living in rags all your life. We are the same in Christ. All I see is you're clothed with Christ. And there's neither male nor female. I don't see male or female. It's not that we're not different. Um, this isn't like, hey, we're all the same now. There's still a difference between men and women. But there is in terms of the call of God, in terms of who carries the anointing of God, in terms of this treasure that's in earthen vessels, there is no distinction for we are all one in Christ Jesus. Those words, in Christ, changes everything. The word in Christ we could value and honor and acknowledge one another according to the flesh and only see the distinctions and we can make all the arguments we want about why men ought to be doing these things and women ought to be doing these things, but all of those are leveled now in Christ. It doesn't matter. If a woman carries an anointing to serve as the president of the United States, then everybody best submit to her leadership. And if the Lord anoints a man to be a nurturing stay-at-home father, then God bless him. That's what God anointed you to do. 
And we're all free now. We are all free to just manifest Christ in us as best suits the occasion and the need of the hour. What matters now when we look at one another is not whether you're male or female, slave or free, Jew or Greek, but can I see Christ in you? And can I honor Christ in you? We honored Christ in Hannah this morning when we laid hands on her. Christ in Hannah is an elder. Christ and Hannah has authority to give oversight to the flock of God. And we honored that this morning and received her as an elder. That's what this is all about. So in the beginning of the new beginning, there were several women who were named as leaders in the church. So this is just a a quick thing and then I'll wrap it up. The scriptures do not say that women should not serve as leaders in the church. There's no scripture that says, no women shall serve as an elder in the church. No woman shall serve as an apostle in the church. And the reason for that is because all those who wrote the scriptures would be rank hypocrites if they gave a direct command like that. We have at the end of the book of Romans, Janiah. He said, greet Janiah on behalf of Janiah, who is foremost among the apostles. You know, some translations of the Bible, that's a female name. Some translations of the Bible, King James included, change that to a male name. Now, the Bible is God's inerrant word. It has no mistakes in it. But translators do sometimes put their own twist on something to make sure that it says something that they want it to say, or, or in this case, make sure that it doesn't say something that they don't want it to say. And that's why I recommend you study the word, get two or three different translations out and make sure that you compare them like that. Juniah, who is preeminent, he said, among the apostles. Philip's four daughters are described in the scriptures all as prophetesses, not as those who prophesy, but who occupy the office of prophet, one of the fivefold ministry gifts as we call them. Priscilla and Aquila, every time those two show up, Priscilla's the wife, Aquila's the husband. It was never said that way. In fact, even in Western modern America, you know, land of the freest women who have ever lived, it's almost never that you say the woman's name first in a couple. Like even, you know, I've done a bunch of weddings and it's always the man's name first, then the woman. To switch those around is making a statement. It's to say Priscilla was the spokeswoman. And they sat with um, Apollos when he was in Ephesus and they instructed him in the more excellent way. And it says Priscilla and Aquila did that. Paul says to Colossians to greet Nympha who, and, and her household. He wasn't like saying, hey, say hi to the wife, say hi to the kids for me. He was saying, here is a woman who's got a house, and oikos is the Greek word. She was a leader of a group of people. Then he said to the Romans, too, I commend to you Phoebe. I'm sending you a woman who is a servant, is the way most translations have it. The word there is the same word we translate deacon, Phoebe, who is a deacon. And also, I mean, Paul, Timothy, they all called themselves a servant to the church. It's the same word, diakonos. I'm sending you a woman of authority. And he goes on, he says, do whatever she says. Uh, To me, I think she's one of those, look, just don't mess with her. Just do what she says and it'll go well for you. You You know the scripture, right, kids? Honor your father and your mother that it might go well with you and you might live long in the land to whom right? It'll go well with you, and you'll live to see tomorrow if you just honor your father and your mother. And I'm trying to avoid our contact with the women in our congregation who are this way. So don't call you out. But there's some women, you just say, yes, ma'am. 
Mrs. Darden was that way, my eighth grade teacher. We said, everybody, this is inner city Queens. Every, even Winslow, yes ma'am. If you knew Winslow, you'd know what a statement that is. Yes ma'am, when Barbara Darden spoke. Just some pow- so this is one of those powerful women who can get things done. <laughs> There's some, I know, I've known some and I've served under some women in, in authority who are just, you know, they're, they're almost like eager. They're like, can you just let me take charge? Can you just let me set, the, I'll have this done in like five minutes. You men are standing around, you got this analysis paralysis going on. I could get her done in five minutes, just step out of the way. That's, Pris, that's Phoebe, rather, that's who Paul is commending. My favorite one of all, the one that's probably the most uncontestable is the elect lady. Who is the elect lady? Second John chapter one. This is me, I'm taking time on this to call you women up and no longer be held back by any cultural bias, by any how you were raised bias. We honor the word of God here, amen? amen. And we're gonna do it honorably and respectfully. I think some of the charges to, to kind of tell the women, hey, keep quiet, is because they got this, like we are now the national organization of women and it's our day, baby, and you men better take a backseat attitude kind of thing. <laughs> you guys experienced that? That feminist professor I had in college that said, don't ever write humankind in a paper again. I mean, she looked me in the face and said that. Okay. I mean, I want to pass the class, so okay. It's humankind. We, we, uh, so anyway, this, this is not about that. This is about you women. Don't receive anything that says you can't do what God has created you to do just because you're a woman. John wrote, we don't even know where they were, who they were. There's nobody named except somebody to watch out for. And second John, the elder to, her chose, to the chosen lady and her children. So the elder is John, the chosen lady is who I'll describe in a moment, and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth. The chosen lady, what is that? Some have said, well, it's just the church. She's the chosen lady. Well, here's what lady means in the Greek. Lady is the word kuria, which means Lord. That's the only way it's translated anywhere else in the New Testament. Lord, every tongue, uh, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is kurios. That's the male form of that word. That's the intensity of what that word is. So John is writing to a woman of authority and her children. And her children? Well, how did John refer to all the disciples that were in his care? My dear beloved children, I write to you little children. He, he referred to his, all those in his care as a shepherd and an elder as children. See, he's writing to a woman who is either a pastor or an elder or some kind of leader of a group of saints. There were women who led in the first century and we need women to lead today. You are made for it. You are strong. You have a strength that men don't have. Yeah, men have a strength that women don't have too. That's for Father's Day, we'll do that later. This is women, this is mom's day today, all right? Just take a back seat for a little bit. Chosen ladies, it's time to take your place. Would you please stand to your feet? I wanna bless you and get you on your way to your Mother's Day festivities. Men, would you lay hands on whatever woman's closest to you for a moment and just agree together with me, we release you to be the woman of God, 
whether you are meant to carry authority and leadership or whether you're meant to nurture and carry authority that way, whatever your call is, we say as Jesus said, woman, thou art loosed. Woman, you are free to do what God created you to be. May every shackle and every inhibition, whether imposed on you by culture, whether imposed on you by a, an understanding of the word of God, Whatever that is, we say you are free to just be you. You do you, you manifest you, you be the glory of God in female form and show the world what he looks like. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. I love you. I hope you're not mad at me. If you have any questions, we're going to do the podcast this week. So this would be a good week to throw questions. But remember, this is just an appetizer. I did a much longer teaching on this that you could take in. If you're upset at what I shared today, take it all in. And then let's open the word of God together and we could talk. All right. I love you. Happy Mother's Day.